Welcome to the Making Money in Multifamily Show, where we discuss everything to do with multifamily real estate investing. We believe it's the best way to gain financial freedom and build lasting wealth. This is where you'll find the best information and practices to help you succeed in your real estate business, whether you're already experienced or just starting out. Here's your host, Dave Morja. Hello, listener, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dave Morja, and today's guest is Jake Marblestein. Jake, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah, looking forward to it today, Jake. And for the listener, here's just a little bit more about him. He's the co-founder and CEO of Groundbreaker, which is a real estate software platform that helps operators manage their investments and manage their investors and kind of just help distribute and pretty much gather everything you would need to complete a deal. Um, yeah. So w- with that, Jake, you just want to kind of tell the listener a little bit more about who you are, you know, how you, how you started Groundbreaker, kind of what, what made you want to get into doing something like this and just kind of fill us in a little bit. For sure. Um, so my experience getting into real estate was one of a lot of frustration and trial and error. I worked at a REIT and I was pretty much just um, bogged down by a lot of the work that we had to do because we were using Excel for everything, PowerPoint presentations, emailing investors. And um, I, you know, I came into it with not a lot of technical experience, but I knew that I wanted to make uh, a more streamlined way of handling things because I just, I'm the kind of person that looks to make things better wherever I go which means that I'm almost the worst employee you can have because I don't do what I'm told, but kind of the opposite and try to see how things can, can uh, improve. And, um, and at the time, you know, I wasn't that uh, tech savvy. So I had this idea about how I should streamline the workflow, but I didn't actually have the skills. And then I went off um, and started working in technology, actually just cutting my teeth on helping some other entrepreneurs build their businesses. And it was through those ventures where I was working with different types of tech companies that I kind of connected the dots and found out that this was something that I could do too. Um, And it just started the company at a very young age, dove right into it with very little experience, very little money and built the business from there. And so nowadays, you know, we have a full team, we're funded, we have customers and it's been six years running. So, so I guess going from, you know, just that brainchild in your head to today, um, what were some of those big steps you said, you know, you, you started with, with no money, just, just kind of, you know, hard work and effort. Um, you know, did you form partnerships early on to kind of complement your skills? Did you just really just hustle, hustle, hustle until you kind of got the, the ball rolling? How did you kind of, you know, start from, from that idea and start to put it on paper, I guess, on computer in this instance? <laughs> Yeah, it was important to have somebody who was a strong leader in the technical side to be able to help build the product and then find people along the way as that product came out in the market and it was something that people wanted. We quickly found that we had a a real need that we were filling. And so over time, more and more people got interested. We got customers and then it was just, and in those early days, it was really just, you know, wearing tons of different hats all at the same time, but being the salesperson, the business guy, the operations guy, customer success, support, uh, you name it. And then, uh, 
eventually getting to a point where it has traction and there's interest and then you kind of fill the holes in the team, um, build leadership around and try to hand off as much work as you can. And that's kind of been over time what I've been doing and it'll continue to occur. So I guess this business has, is, I'm, I'm sure has kind of exploded and, and you've added a bunch of different kind of ideas and tools to this, this problem and this program. Um, so, so what did it kind of start out as originally, you know, the core of, of the solution and then, you know, how has that kind of grown over time? But, you know, where did you really start? What was, was the big aha that you wanted to tackle? Yeah, so the big thing was raising money is really difficult and then it's even harder because you have to keep up with all the record keeping. So when we started the solution out at the beginning, we just had a website where anybody could put their deal up and there was template uh, template functionality in the software. So it wouldn't be really hard to make it look good. I remember spending so much time in my days working for somebody else in real estate investment, having to format PowerPoint presentations and print them out and look at every single thing, like if there was a comma or a period that was out of place or uh, you know, a keystroke error, it was just like looking through and making sure everything was, was uh, kosher. And I wanted to make that better. So we started with just a template and then anybody could use that template to launch their deal. And then there was a button that investors could go to to express interest in a deal. And so that was really version 1.0 of Groundbreaker. There was no privacy. There was no private branding. There was no like investor portal encapsulated into an instance that you could control and own with your own data and everything. And so we just started getting feedback and the feedback kind of helped us with the direction we eventually went in. Yeah. So I guess you mentioned that kind of initial clientele, um, were those just from relationships through real estate or how much was it, you know, active marketing at that point, or were you really just kind of focused on the, the solution oriented business and then kind of working on the, the sales side of things afterwards, I guess, how did that flesh out? Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways that people do this. And in retrospect, it, you know, it, it, it I'm not sure if this was the best way, but we ended up getting written about, we were good at getting press and we got a feature on VentureBeat. So we were the featured article for the whole day, you know, going there, you'd see that featured article about Groundbreaker and that drove website traffic through the roof. And we had this contact us form that kept getting filled out and people were just wanting to talk to us and find out what the deal was. And so it was through that, that I got all of those people interested and then started talking to different folks and you could, you know, look them up and see what kind of company they were. Cause LinkedIn was around and a lot of people had LinkedIn and everything like that. So we were able to sort of vet, but it was a huge amount of people coming from all different sides of the market and then trying to distill from there what the product needed to be to satisfy those people but it was really all over the place. So it still was tough to tell what exactly was the segment inside of that greater market that we were going after. And I guess, you know, you got a flood of people coming in um, and you got to just, like you said, you were very early on stages. You had to figure out, you know, where, where this is truly going to go. Was it really the kind of red flags that made you push the business a certain way or was it the green flags that kind of pulled you along as far as, you know, the product? Yeah, uh, the the things that we were being told by people were that they wanted to have 
access to investors, new investor capital. But then there were other people who wanted to protect the access to their investors that they already had existing. So it was like two completely different use cases for two completely different products that we were getting pitched from people that were interested in us. And it was really just taking that advice or that feedback, contextualizing it, thinking about the market and the way that things are going, thinking about the risks and the structure of a business model. And then from there, kind of sizing the market, determining the need and the amount of work and risk that's related to doing each of these business models. And then just choosing a direction boldly at the beginning and saying, this is what we're going to do. And there were many different companies at the time that were doing something that was very different than what we ended up doing. And I think going against the grain and doing something that was completely different than them actually ended up panning out quite well for us. Yeah, so I guess just by listening and kind of almost zigging where everyone else zagged, you you carved out a nice little niche that's that's going to serve a different type of client base, which which is super helpful. And like you say, I think as long as you're listening to the right needs of the clients and you kind of, you can kind of iterate from there. Um, so I guess let's just fast forward to today. Um, wh- what does this, you know, look like fleshed out now? I, wh- what are, what are the types of things you can do on, on this platform and how, how is it going to make anyone's life easier if they're looking to operate a deal? So we really do fo- We focus on two, doing two things really well. Number one, we want to make real estate syndicators look good to their investors. Number two, we want to make their life easier by bringing some efficiency and organization to their business. And we achieve those things by giving syndicators a very simple and clean, uh, intuitive investor portal that they can give to their limited partners. And those people can log in, check documents, see their returns, see the investments they're in their ownership, when they invested, high-level details. And then if there's new deals that are being uh, that they're being solicited for, then they can go in and sign documents and invest all in a compliant way through the portal. And it's meant to be super simple and easy for the investor. So that's number one. And then number two, making things organized for the syndicator, we give them this admin side where all of their data lives. So instead of having rows and rows and spreadsheets in Excel, having to track all of your investor commitments and contributions and distributions and ownership and everything like that, uh, with the contact info in a separate CRM, and you just have Groundbreaker with its own CRM, email, database for housing all of this information and it's organized in a way by investment entity. So you can dive into an entity, see the deal that you raised capital for, look at the capitalization, look at the amount of contributions from each investor, the payments that you've made. It's organized all in one place and it's searchable and it's structured data. So it just makes this so much easier for the sponsor to stay organized. Um, and, and it's, it, it's, it's a very, um, it's a very slick interface. So most people can pretty much understand how to use it very quickly. Well, I think that's important too, just kind of tailoring to that lowest common denominator. There's there's many in the space that are older than you and I that, that might have problems with these types of new, new programs or platforms, right? But having it simple and s- just basic enough that it's, uh, you know, 
easy to follow and easy to just navigate through is, is going to be crucial so that everyone can kind of participate. And then, yeah. I just think like people don't, people don't want to spend time like learning a new tool these days. It's yeah. Like, there's a lot out there. <laughs> I mean, even, even me, when I look and evaluate software and I go for these free trials and stuff, it's like, I'm not even into the free trial because then I have to go and learn something. You know, I just want it to be easy. Exactly. Yeah. If you got to invest a ton of time just to get up to speed on something, it can be a, a huge turnoff. So, so to have it, so you can just kind of dive in day one and just, you know, take a quick bite out of it is, is going to be huge. And then, and then I guess just going towards, um, just the setting up of a deal. Um, how, how do you kind of do that as an, as an investor, as a sponsor? Is it just as simple as kind of, uh, you know, filling out deal information and then you, you just start kind of clicking and adding spot or investors in, into the platform. How does that kind of shake out? So when we start off with a new customer, we actually take in all of the data that they have in Excel and we convert it into our format. So whatever, whatever information it is, however it comes, it could be in PDF format with hand scribbled, you know, subscription agreements and stuff. We have a team that's dedicated to taking that and then putting it into a fresh uh, structured format that'll import into Groundbreaker. If somebody's starting out with a whole new portfolio and they don't have any data or any investors, then we get them on a portal, we show them how to use it, and they can add in their contacts, they can add in their deals manually. There's a template in Groundbreaker that's fairly flexible for creating a new offering where you can add the sections, photos, documents, uh, you add your subscription information and the terms. Uh, so it's, it's like a pre-filled template that you can go and customize however you need for your deal to look and feel the way you want it to and have the right information in there. And then it's just as easy as, you know, publishing it. You can keep it as a private draft and then move it out into a teaser or you can take the teaser and move it into a fundraising. So you're able to have control over the different states of the deal, depending on where you're at, whether you're ready to share it and it's, you know, an idea that's formed and, or you've got an LOI out and now it's time to raise money. Yeah, and, and I guess that's kind of important to know that there's different uh, stages of the adoption cycle. Like if you already had deals, it sounds like it's, it's going to be, you know, a pretty good solution to just yeah give that to your team and kind of get you up to speed. Uh, and then the converse of that, just, just kind of clicking away and adding, you know, manually if you got, you know, a little bit less going on as, as far as the history goes. And then I'm sure just kind of on that note, there's just a wide range of perspectives. And we almost sent that on earlier, but just so many different perspectives on, on this from a client base. Um, is there anything that was kind of just like a interesting kind of feedback or something that you just kind of stuck in the, in your mind that maybe it wasn't necessarily a good or bad thing that you just had brought to your attention that, that you guys hadn't really previously thought of as far as a business model goes? Can you rephrase the question? Because I'm sure. not sure if I understand exactly what you're. Asking. Is there is there just anything that would just kind of stuck out to you from a from a client's perspective that you said you know I never really considered that as far as you know adding to the program or, or just some need that someone necessarily didn't have that you anticipated? Yeah, there's something about um, even making the solution easier than. Uh, than it already is. Like we have folders and ways of organizing documents inside of the investor portal where you can see clearly what documents are K1s and what aren't K1s. But someone came up with the idea the other day to have a tech center 
So you've got documents and then you've got tax center and documents would be reports and financial statements and subscription agreements and tax center would be your, just your K ones. So if, 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 if you're an investor and you never log into the portal ever just to maybe retrieve your K ones, then we're going to make it super stupid simple to just see that your K ones are there. So yeah, that was, that was one of those things where it wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought about that before in terms of ease of use, but someone yeah. else brought it to our attention. It makes sense though. Cause yeah, some investors, they, they might not, I mean, pre- people probably should, if they're going to use that, that platform log in more than once a year, but some people might literally just log in once to get their K ones and then just sign back off and, and call it a day. Um, so yeah, I guess it makes sense to lower that threshold of, of the things you need to get that done. Um, just kind of moving forward, this business has grown a lot for you guys. Um, what does the team kind of structure look like now? And where do you kind of sit as far as, um, you know, how, how involved are you and what's your kind of day to day look like? Yeah, so we've made key hires in all the different departments of the company, and then we've made hires underneath those people. So we're starting to see a tremendous amount of growth just in the departments and functioning across uh, the different teams and collaborating to get things done. And my role really is the classic role of a CEO, um, make sure that the company always has enough capital in the bank, share the vision across the team, and keep people well-paid and taken care of and hire the best talent. So that's really what I do um, in today's day where we're all very much uh, working from home or separate in different places in the world because of coronavirus. Uh, company culture is becoming a really big focus and just making sure that people are happy that they have purpose and meaning and that we're able to share our, uh, our, our wins um, and celebrate them across the team. So thinking about ways to do that in this like new remote uh, world that, that we live in um, and also just looking at growth and thinking about how can we do 10x what we're doing right now and how can we do that so much faster. So what do you do to stay at that high level versus kind of getting stuck in the weeds and getting you know bogged down in details on the day-to-day stuff? What are you kind of doing to make sure you're, you're just kind of sitting at that higher level and focusing on the right things? Well, it starts with people, um, making sure that I have people in my company that I trust and can rely on who are self-starters and are motivated by being able to produce great quality work and then just letting those people go to work, delegating responsibilities, or instead of actually, I take that back, instead of delegating, just having a very clear vision and focus and purpose to where we're going and being able to broadcast that vision and then make sure that people are, are leveling up to what that vision means for them inside of their department and their role. So if there's an opportunity for me to delegate something that you know I'm currently handling, I need to expand somebody's role or I need to hire a new position, I can identify that. But for the people that I've already hired, I'm just giving them that vision and then letting them make, you know, increase their space and their influence inside of the company to be able to achieve their goals, which is going to achieve the goals of the company to take more work off of my shoulders so that I can stay in that level where I'm thinking about those three things that I told you. So how, how do you just continue that communication with your team? Is it just that day-to-day comms that you said, you know, it's remote now, so things might be a little tougher. So, so what are you doing to stay t- on top of it to make sure everyone, you know, gets the message consistently day in, day out? Well, 
Yeah, we, we do we do Monday morning meetings with the whole entire team. We do Wednesday meetings with the leadership team. And then we have uh, OKRs and reports that we're keeping track of. So at a high level, I can see what are the important metrics that are really moving the business inside of each department, rolling up to the overall company goals. And that kind of keeps me aligned um, with what the progress is on a quantitative level, as well as the qualitative that I get during those meetings during the week. Yeah. And I guess not to put you on the spot too much, but what are some of those OKRs you, you speak of? What are the, some of the ones that you're always kind of picking at to, uh, to make sure that they're, they're kind of staying, you know, at the best they can be? Well, customer satisfaction is one of them. Response time to tickets or concerns that customers have. Uh, overall growth of number of customers and revenue. We got like the amount of people that were driving to to our site or a number of opportunities that we have uh, to, to be able to move into our sales pipeline. Uh, and then it's just the product deliverables, what it is that we're working on during those quarters and whether we're hitting those uh, or not. And, uh, and then it's like satisfaction among the team, uh, which is more of like a qualitative metric, but I'd say that that one's a super important one um, in these days to, you know, just make sure that people are happy. And then Jake, just kind of to, to wrap it all together, if you were to just, I guess, speak on, speak on something like this, because essentially what you did is you took a problem, right? And, and you decided to solve it and then you put a business behind it. And obviously if you have a valid problem that you solved, you have a valid business, right? So, so with this business, you, you took it, you kind of just started it at version one and, and listened to your clients and really grew it out. Um, what did you learn along the way? It's kind of the, the biggest takeaway that, that you would say to somebody that kind of has that same thing that they're looking at and, and saying, yeah, wow, I, I see this. How do, how can I approach this? <sighs> it's a lot, man. There's <laughs> no one answer to this, but I think it's very helpful to be able to build a network of people around you that are engaged on the progress of your business. And, uh, People who are engaged with the progress of your business that are investing in you is extremely helpful because you never know when you're going to need um, their support. It goes into having an advisor, having somebody to coach you along the way because there's so many pitfalls. Um, whether you you know you think you're in the right space now, you're going to find out that things change and you need somebody's help. Um, and that also goes to persevering through the peaks and valleys of the journey so that you can make it to the end. Yeah. And then Jake, as long as you're ready, I'm ready for the five key questions. Okay, sure. So first one, if you could only pick one trait that explains your success, what is that trait and why? Uh, delusion. Never give up basically because you'll companies don't fail because you run out of money. They fail because you give up. Uh, I always think there's a way if you just keep trying. And then what is the most uncharacteristic thing you've done in your business and why did you do it? Uh, so it's as a startup, like there's this culture all around, all around like looking bigger than you are and fake it till you make it. And we actually, decided not to do that we decided to be honest with people and tell them exactly who we are and what we're doing and i think that a lot of startup culture teaches you the opposite and it's 
the reason why being honest uh, works is because people know when you're bullshitting them and then they respect you more when you're just being real. And so you get a lot of people who are more like big fans of what you do and they get to know you better and they're investing in you versus this like future hope or idea that you are what you say you are. So I think that that honesty and, and, and uh, just being real really helps to humanize who you are behind the business. And then Jay, can you name a time where you felt like you were not going to end up successful? How did you overcome that fear? Uh, yeah, I, I think <laughs> there were times when I was bootstrapping the business and I remember having to keep funding it out of my own bank account. Uh, those were scary times and I just kept picking up the phone and selling. I just kept going, you know? Um, so again, just perseverance. And then opposite to that one, can you name a time where something in your business went perfectly and what did you do to make that a reality? Yeah, we, we went to a conference uh, recently and um, we had all these crazy things to do. I remember having to get all these groundbreaker coffee cans uh, wrapped with this private label that we had printed on top of a, another coffee and um, and it was like this incredible move on marketing, thanks to my uh, director of marketing and co-founder Ed. And um, it was a daunting task. We had like we 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 arrived in in um, Keystone with like 400 coffee cans and all these labels that were printed out that we had to wrap around the cans very carefully so people didn't know that they were like rebranded. And um, and we stayed up to like 3 a.m. doing it. And when we started doing it, I remember. Um, Ed was wrapping the cans and he was showing me how to wrap them because he was just so good at wrapping them. And then I, like you had to stick it onto the can and then you had to wrap it around. But the way that you stick it down on the can, you have to make sure that it's like perfectly aligned so that it lines up on the top and the bottom in a straight line. And I found out that I was really bad wrapping the cans, but I was very good at sticking it on the can. So we started an assembly line process and worked together as a team and <laughs> we got it done a lot faster that way. <laughs> I love that. And then the last one here, Jake, what have you been focusing on lately to improve yourself or your business? Um, so just uh, listening to my employees has been a really good way to improve myself uh, and getting genuine feedback, honest, unfiltered feedback about where where we need to go as a business, what we need to do differently, um, what they want, and uh, then just taking action to implement that into the company has been really helpful for me and beginning to like rely on, you know, rely on that team a lot more to be able to um, make, make positive improvements. Yeah. I really appreciate this talk, Jake. I think, you know, the solution oriented type of approach to, to anything, whether it's business or life is, is just a great way to take things, you know, kind of head on it and see really what you need to solve. Um, and if someone was interested in groundbreaker, just kind of wanted to reach out to say hi to you, how could they reach you today? So you can go to groundbreaker.co, our website, and fill out a form, and you'll be in touch with our team. If you want to contact me directly, you can look my uh, look at my name on LinkedIn or email me, jake at groundbreaker.co. Awesome, Jake. Thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks, Dave. It was fun. Thank you for listening. This has been the Making Money in Multifamily podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or would just like to connect, please feel free to check out the show notes for how you can connect or visit longviewacquisitions.com.